A consistent body care routine is a really important part of my self-care. I feel so much better when my skin is looking and feeling good. It's such a small thing that has a big impact on your overall day for your well-being. A consistent body care routine doesn't just promote healthy, glowing skin. It actually boosts our mental health, too. So give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven seaweed-infused skincare that provides results you can see and confidence that you can feel. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Butter is not your typical body butter. It transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple skin, and it's my absolute favorite. I use Osea's products religiously, and I have been for years. It really is the best out there. One of the best parts about the body butter is that it's non-greasy. I hate putting on body lotion and feeling slippery and sticky all day, but Osea's body butter absorbs right into your skin, leaving you feeling hydrated and ready to make the best of whatever is next on your agenda. And it's been shown to hydrate you for 72 hours after applying. Skin care is self-care, so this is a habit worth keeping all year round. With Osea, you will get clean, seaweed-infused products from a company with over 27 years of experience, making sure they are the safest for your skin and the planet. All of Osea's products are vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out with clean skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. How well did you sleep last night? As a new mom, sleep is precious, both as a time to allow my body to reset and as a time to bond with my baby. That's why I'm so grateful my bed is lined with the softest, coziest bedding ever from Parachute. Sleeping or playing, our bed is now one of our favorite places to spend time together. To me, creating positive impact with everything I do and buy is of highest importance. Parachute's products are designed in Venice Beach and responsibly manufactured in Europe by fairly paid employees, and the fabrics are 100% natural without any harmful chemicals or synthetic softeners. Parachute also partners with United Nations Foundation Nothing But Nets, donating thousands of life-saving bed nets to communities in critical need. Go check them out. Visit parachutehome.com slash yogagirl for free shipping and returns. No need to worry about what happens with your returns, but all returns are donated straight to Habitat for Humanity. It's impossible not to be in love with Parachute. Sleep is so important for all of us. So turn your bedroom into a haven of deep rest and sweet dreams with Parachute and help others around the world sleep sweetly as well. Visit parachutehome.com slash yogagirl for free shipping and returns. You have 60 days or 60 nights, should I say, to fall in love where you can send it right back. No questions asked. Check out parachutehome.com slash yogagirl today. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Today, I have a super special guest joining me, my good friend, B. Bosnak. B is a yoga teacher, meditation expert, entrepreneur, and ex-fashion stylist who's born in Turkey, grew up in London, and is now living in New York City. So before we dive into conversation, I thought since you're a specialist in pranayama, so breath work and meditation, maybe you could take a moment just to center us a little bit. Absolutely. Let's do it. Wherever you are, start to relax. Soften your shoulders. Soften the muscles around your eyes. And settle into your space. 
from the area around your navel. Take a full deep breath in all the way up through the spine. Exhale. Again, inhale all the way up. Exhale. And one more time. Take a full breath in. Exhale. Take another full inhale, this time for a count of four, three, two, one. Exhale, four, three, two, one. Again, inhale, four, three, two, one. Exhale, four, three, two, one. Last one. Inhale, four, three, two, one. Exhale, four, three, two, one. This time, take a full breath in. Open the mouth. Notice how you feel. Thank you so much. I feel like I've arrived. Welcome to the show, B. Hi, Rachel. So happy to be here. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Everybody says that on the show. And yeah. we're sitting in this very unpretentious <laughs> kind of baby area office right now there's nothing to be nervous about i tend to forget how many people actually listen to this podcast every week too i know i have to just remind myself to stay calm you know this is so hard um to speak about myself it's like easier to teach you know yoga or meditation but when it comes to myself you know i don't want to hear myself speak but <laughs> oh come on the good thing is other people really do i know so deep breaths yeah deep breaths yeah so this is your second time in aruba yeah it's my second time is and, it different uh, this time around um it's more beautiful this time yeah, around it seems more beautiful maybe because i've been here before so it seems very familiar yeah you're kind of um, local now and i mean i'm here at island yoga it's mm. incredible um and Yeah, it's beautiful. You've created such an amazing uh, hub. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. So yeah. for our listeners out there, so B is one of our amazing teachers on 108.com. Uh, our The online, uh, we call it um, like Netflix for yoga has been our kind of behind the scenes is how we describe 108, which is, isn't really, but it's an online platform for yoga, meditation, healing, wellness. And when I launched 108.com, B was like the top of my list of like, okay, I need B to join the tribe. But so when we sweet. shot the first classes like it was it was crazy <laughs> it was it yeah. was totally crazy I think you yeah. taught like 30 classes in two or three days I did it was did. it wasn't really I was human. on a roll I was on a roll I was like give me more <laughs> give me more <laughs> I don't need any breaks like let's do it yeah you know that's I think that's how I operate when I'm under pressure as well like I I have to be under pressure to get stuff delivered um and because I love my job And so I have so many ideas I want to teach. I have so many things I want to, you know, talk about and create. So yeah, you give me three days and I'll give you 30 classes. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing. And from, from the classes we have on the site, you, I think, have the most meditation classes. Mm. I think you are our most prominent meditation mm. expert, which I love. We were talking about this just, just now at brunch, but 
it's interesting how yoga and meditation has, be, has become so separated in yeah. a way. Yeah. So the way I introduced you just now, you're a yoga teacher and meditation expert. So meditation doesn't really only fall under the yoga umbrella anymore. Yeah, that is, it's, it's really interesting how it's separated because asana was born from meditation. Right. Um, but yet uh, we've sort of forgotten that or maybe perhaps we don't know how to bring that into our practice. So it's it's really interesting to see the, the the separation of yoga and meditation and and uh, and in New York right now there's so many you know meditation studios that are opening up just like yoga studios um, so it's interesting how it's sort of separated right because it's supposed to be one right yoga is it encompasses everything you know as as, as we all know or maybe not all of us knows like asana is just a part of yoga. The tip and, of the iceberg. Yeah, just the tip of the iceberg, you know. And if your life has transformed from asana, that's amazing, you know, wonderful. But what about all the rest of yoga? And could you imagine, you know, what sort of transformation you could experience if you also did those practices? So something to think about, yeah. I think that's what's so wonderful and also so different about about you and your and your teachings. You have this really amazing and I think rare ability to to stay really true to the eastern tradition mm -hmm. while incorporating that and translating it into this very western style of practice yeah um, I think it's important uh, especially for me I deal you know my students are primarily you know western students and so I'm dealing with the western psyche so how do I incorporate the eastern practice to the western psyche which um is sometimes challenging, right? Because we live in such a Western world that we're constantly doing, we're constantly working, we are filled with stress and anxiety. Um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time for contemplation or prayer or silence because we're just constantly doing and doing and doing. We're, we all seem to be rushing for something, right? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And, you know, I find that in myself too. Um, but... To go back to the tradition and to really understand, wow, this really worked for a lot of people and so how can it work for me? So really taking the tradition because we don't want to lose the essence of what yoga is. And of course it changes, you know, just like we change, right? So you want to take that and you want to be able to fit that into your life wherever you are as you transform because the yoga practice is always evolving. But to go to the root right, to go to the tradition and to get the, the nectar of the practice. That's, that's in meditation for me, personally. Asana is awesome. I feel so great when I do a physical practice, but silence, you know, to go inside, it's, it's something else. And when you've, when you've experienced that, it's very hard not to do it. Not to return. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But somehow it's also so challenging, mm -hmm. I find. Mm -hmm. I found the practice through meditation. So I found meditation first, which is yeah. usually it's the other way around. Right. And I was really terrified of the asana practice because I had a bad back and I didn't have a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. I felt like you needed to be this superhuman person to do yoga. But meditate, that made so much sense to me at that time. And then I feel like as my life evolves, it keeps shifting back and forth. So sometimes you know, the asana is easy and it flows and it's great. And then meditation sometimes gets harder for me 
like I tend to shift between one or the other. Yeah. And right now with motherhood and baby, I find meditation is, <laughs> it's easily accessible because I'm doing a lot of sitting. <laughs> right, right. And the thing with meditation is that you can't hide from it. You know, with asana, personally speaking, I can. I can hide from a lot of things when I'm doing a physical practice, right? I can um, make my shape look pretty, but yet um, I don't focus on maybe the challenges that I'm experiencing in my life. When I sit in meditation, I have to face them hmm. because they're going to keep coming up. And if I don't change and shift my psyche with meditation, stuff is still going to come up and up and up until I do that shift. So for me, um, sometimes I need more more, well, oftentimes actually, I need to really sit to get real with myself. Whereas asana sometimes takes me away from that. If let's, that makes sense. Let's talk about that because that's something that I feel like uh, the social media and the online world, um, the more we dive into that aspect of things, I feel like the further away we get from mm -hmm. meditation, the closer it gets to all being all about the body. You know, you see these amazing poses online and I think a lot of people have they have the idea that this is what yoga is you know it's putting your body in this shape and that's why they don't automatically associate meditation with yoga anymore especially people that found the asana practice and the asana practice only it's like med meditate oh no you know I practice vinyasa and then I do shavasana in the end and that's you know that's yeah. meditation but it's I mean I, I've been in classes where shavasana is one minute or oh two minutes you know um and it's it's crazy You know, and I feel like as a teacher, as a facilitator, the more that I learn about yoga, the more that I study it, the more I feel like there's so many people doing it wrong. <laughs> Do you ever have someone walk out in your Shavasana? This, oh like, my God, all the time. In New York, I bet it happens. Oh my God, all the time. More than in Aruba. <laughs> so like, practice much. is done. Okay, I don't have time for this. Sometimes I have to, to, to tell my class, if you are walking out, you know, before Shavasana, please do it now. Because they, mm, they wow. yeah, you have to yeah, live yeah. a window so it doesn't oh, yeah. disturb the class. Exactly, yeah. And that's the thing. Are they rushing to, to get somewhere or do they really don't want to take the Shavasana? Because again, you're dealing with yourself. You're with yourself. Right. Are you escaping? or you know? Exactly, yeah. So can our asana practice also be sort of an addiction? Hmm. Let's, yeah. uh, let's rewind a little bit. So tell us how, how you found the practice. I found the practice through... Um, my asthma. So I was born with asthma. And uh, I didn't find yoga until at the age of 20. So um, 12 years ago. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and this was in Los Angeles when I moved uh, from England to LA. And uh, I went to this really tiny, small studio in uh, Studio City. And I took a pranayama class, actually. It was a, a breath-oriented uh, workshop. Um, because I wanted to find a different way to breathe because the way I was breathing was just not a good way for, for my, for my health. It just wasn't, you know, I was always on my, my inhaler pumps, you know, I would get wheezy a lot. Um, even as a child growing up with asthma, I would, you know, I would be in hospital three, four times a week. Do you going have a strong, the, strong memory of that when you were... Yeah, going into the emergency room for oxygen because I couldn't breathe. And so I would sit in the emergency room with a mask on my face, with an oxygen mask, for hours and hours. Hmm. Yeah. I'm smiling now, not yeah. because I think this is fun to hear, but because I had this exa exact same experience. Yes. Isn't it awful? It's, mm -hmm. 
And it's something I've come to realize that this is the, the ultimate, the ultimate fear, right? Not being able to breathe, not knowing if your next breath is going to, it's going to arrive. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's, uh, an asthma attack really is, is, is a step toward, toward death. Like it's a terrifying mm-hmm. experience. But I think for, for people that had never experienced that, it's hard to put yourself in that situation. I remember they used to, um, my mom used to tell people, if you don't understand what this is like, it's like breathing through one of those tiny straws they give you at a bar, you know, those tiny little yeah. ones they use to mix a little drink. Like it's barely being able to, to bring breath into your body and not knowing if it's going to stop. Yeah. It's so hard because you feel like you're going to die. It's terrifying. Yeah. So how so, did you move away from that? Uh, through, I had a strict diet. Um, my parents, you know, took me to, uh, that was one of the main reasons that we actually moved to England from Turkey was because of my health and of course my dad's business, but, uh, to, to see better doctors. Hmm. Yeah. So that was one of the main reasons. And my parents, you know, they, they spent so much time on my health and, um, I had such a strict diet. I was never allowed to play outside like a normal child. Hmm. You know, I was uh, very uh, restricted from a lot of things. So, uh, growing up was really hard, but, um, yeah, my parents just did so much. And then slowly I started to get better and better, um, organically, um, Perhaps it was the weather of England. Um, Turkey was very, where we lived, it was very humid, so that didn't really help. Um, And then slowly I started to, you know, just sort of come out of my shell. Um, And naturally, you know, they say that the asthma can leave you for a little while, but it's always going to be there. So um, I haven't had an attack for, for, for a long time, but, you know, it's, it's always, it can happen at any moment. So that's also another terrifying thing about it. Like I Do you always, bring your inhaler with you oh, everywhere? Yeah, you everywhere. Yeah. It's always in my bag. Um, just because you never know. Mm-hmm. It's, it happens so instantly. Uh, and you don't really know what can trigger it. So um, Have you ever had the feeling, because that sometimes happens to me. I also I travel with my inhaler everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I fluctuate between having to use it every day or every other day and then not at all for long stretches of time. And it's really, um, I always try to look at the pattern of what's connected emotionally to this or what ha- what else is happening in my life that's making this come up a lot versus yeah. not at all um, but sometimes if I ever leave it at home and I can go for a long time without ever having to use it but if I leave it at home and I realize oh wait I left my inhaler cue asthma yeah <laughs> immediately yeah and I know it's a it's a mind thing and it's fear triggered by the idea of oh wait if I would have an asthma attack I don't have my inhaler and then what would happen and then I bring about the asthma and then it becomes real and it becomes physical. And then I have to like send my husband home to get it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we somewhere. make our, ourselves sick from, 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 from our minds, from our thinking, you know, um, actually I had an experience like that uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was at my partner's house. Um, so we cohab- cohabitate. We both live in different uh, apartments. I love that. Um, we have to talk more about that. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. <laughs> and uh, so I was at his place and, uh, you know, two in the morning I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm about to have like an asthma attack. I can't breathe. And my inhaler is not in my bag and it's in my apartment. So we get a taxi at like 2.30 in the morning and, you know, me, I'm like, no, 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 I can go by myself. He's like, you can't even breathe. How are you supposed to get in a taxi? <laughs> so he comes with me. We go to my apartment. I take a puff. Oh, what a relief. And then we end up sleeping in my apartment. But, oh my God. Yeah. But it's, it's, so you share two apartments. We do. Yeah. That sounds crazy. <laughs> 
but also super funny in a way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's you know, it's for now, and we'll we'll see where things go. But um, it's it's nice to have our own spaces. Um, it's it's really nice to come together at the same time as well. Cohabitate. So, I love yeah, that term yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> and what about right now? So. Um, we said you, you moved to LA, you found the first pranayama class you ever took. Yeah, was that so like an epiphany type class? It was, just... yeah. Cause it, it, it helped me to breathe more from my diaphragm. I've always really breathed from my chest. You know, it's been very, a lot of breath with tension and stress, you know, short breathing. So I started to breathe in a different way, like more from my belly, more from my diaphragm. You know, I could breathe deeper. Um, when I was a kid, I, you know, I was taking swimming classes as a way to really help my breathing. So I was doing a lot of things to help me with the asthma. But long story short, after I took the pranayama, then my first physical practice was with... Um, uh, an, an Iyengar class. <laughs> mm. So with all the props, you know, the blocks, the blankets, the straps and chairs. And uh, it was interesting, but, um, you know, it wasn't like a huge transformation. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Until I discovered core power yoga, hmm. which maybe you've heard of. Yes. It's, yes, it's yes. huge in, uh, on the West Coast. Um, it's a heated vinyasa class. And I was blown away. I was like, Wow what is this? I feel so amazing. And breathing in the hot room? It felt really amazing. Hmm. It felt so good. And then I started to go every day. <laughs> and I started to practice every day. Mind you, you know, I have no gymnastics background. I have no dance background. You know, didn't do any sort of sports at all. Because if I started to like run for 10 minutes, I would just be out of breath and not so good. And how do you feel that has affected you because that's something that I've contemplated this idea of, of being a child and being sick mm -hmm. right or being a child with the potential of any, any moment getting sick or getting an asthma attack you know yeah. there's always that fear lingering of okay wait 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 and same as you I had that experience where all my cousins and my brother they would all be playing and, and in my family both sides of my mom and my dad families are farmers so yeah animals and I was so allergic to all kinds of I mean god My grandma bred horses and then my aunt has a dairy farm with like a thousand cows. So my whole family is just animals everywhere and I couldn't be close to a single animal. So I had all my whole family, all my cousins, everybody that was my age would run through the grass or play with animals. And I was always like, no, 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 Rachel, Rachel, don't go so fast. Stay behind. Rachel stays here. Had to have all my medication. And I felt in a way it was, I was brought up with this um, kind of holding back, you know, don't release in full ecstasy of total happiness of being a child, but like pace yourself, always pace yourself, which I think has affected me a lot as an adult. I'm sure. I mean, you feel isolated, right? You feel yes. so isolated. Left behind a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, you should be able to experience, you know, everything your childhood has to offer, including spending time with your friends and playtime, you know, mm -hmm. playtime is so crucial. Um, and just like you, I mean, didn't have playtime. I remember being in primary school and uh, so elementary school and because I was so isolated I was also such a very shy kid didn't have a lot of friends or anything I was I was I held myself back a lot um, I how I was English as my second language so here I was learning a new language and I was shy about you know maybe saying some words wrong and then here I am you know having asthma chronic asthma that I can't even run around the playground so I would, I would spend a lot of time alone. Hmm. Yeah, I would spend a lot of time alone. I, I, and I really fondly remember this moment when I was in primary school. Um, 
during playtime, I would just sit on the corner on, on the ground uh, with my knees tucked in. And people would come up to me and they're like, she's a robot. She doesn't move. She's a robot. Why? Yeah. <laughs> because I would just be still and I would just watch people. And, and I think that was sort of my, my meditation. Yes. You know, it, to be contemplative, to, to try to understand why am I like this? You know, what's wrong with me? Why am I different? So since little, you had this kind of natural introspective. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, uh, I'm such an introvert. You know, I really am. And I think it's really started from that moment. Hmm. And is it, for yeah. me, I think it turned the other way around. Like I became like <laughs> the rebel, like I'm not going to sit still. Like, no, you know, yeah. it was really, but it's, I, I find it so, so, so interesting how, you know, what we go through in our childhood and then any pain or disease or sickness, illness, whatever we're, we have in our past, how it continues to resonate in the body yeah and we also have the the opportunity to change it you know mm -hmm. I don't define myself as you know a sick person anymore I mean when I do I become sick you know so what I think I become so I have to keep reminding myself that you know this doesn't define me it adds you know a layer to my story and that's beautiful you know um, just like everything that we experience but it doesn't define me it's just yeah it's a part of me you know it's what I have to go through um, and now you're teaching people how and to now breathe. I'm teaching people how to breathe it's 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 insane it just gave me goosebumps yeah and now I teach it so um it's it's pretty incredible how life takes you you know from one end uh, to the other but yeah that's how I that's how I found yoga you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl do you manage or own a company are you hiring do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates these days, posting your job in one or two places is not enough to find quality candidates. As a business owner myself, I know what a challenge it can be to search for that perfect hire. You need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, all with just one click. Find candidates in any city, any industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates find you through ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No more spending time juggling resumes or emails or interview appointments. Instead, quickly screen and organize your candidates and hire that perfect person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter is used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. That new team member you're dreaming of is ready for you. Give it a try. Right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. Once more, try it for free today. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. So just imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
I have always loved learning languages. I speak four fluently. They're so interesting. And I've even noticed that sometimes the language you speak can influence pieces of your personality. Learning my husband's native language made us understand each other on a whole new level. Now Babbel has gifted me my own account and I can't wait to dive in. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you actually start speaking a new language. It's designed by real people for real conversations. And their advanced speech recognition is like having your own personal language coach to help you improve your pronunciation so you can get prepped and confident for real-world conversations. Just 15 hours with Babbel is equal to one university semester. Overall, they have more than 13,000 hours of learning content, and you can browse more than 20,000 courses offered every month. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash yoga. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash yoga, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash yoga. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, anyway, so long story short, <laughs> you know, I, I started to uh, go to Core Power Yoga my first 200 hours was with them. Uh, this is when I moved to Portland, Oregon, from LA. And I was in Portland for about 18 months. So I got certified. And then from there, um, I was still, I had a corporate fashion job. I was styling, styling mannequins, styling windows, styling people. And so once I got my certification, I started teaching a little bit part-time. But and fashion, was fashion your life or was it just yeah, a job? Yeah, I, um, I mean, I started in fashion when I was 16. My first job was at Topshop hmm. as a sales associate in London. And, and, then I, and then I worked for Harrods, which is a very big store in England. Um, I worked for big brands like Dolce & Gabbana, Alexandra McQueen. And then when I moved to um, LA, I moved for an internship, actually. I was doing a four-year business degree an international business degree. And I chose that degree specifically, which in England we call a sandwich year. So at the third year, right in the middle of your degree, you go abroad for one year and you work. So that was my escape. Hmm. But the plan was to come back? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I wanted to go to fashion school, but my parents were like, no, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a fashion designer? Um, I mean, I would like to, but No. Pick a degree that will get you a real job, you know. So I chose that degree with the intention of escaping England, London, to, <laughs> it's crazy to talk about it, but to find myself, you know. I really wanted to just find myself. And this was a, at the age of 18, I decided. So then when I turned 20, I moved to LA with two suitcases, one dream. I did everything myself. I organized my visa. I found the job. I found my roommate. Um, I did everything all by myself, and I landed to LAX. This random strange girl picks me up at the airport. Mm -hmm. I go to her apartment. I spend the whole year with her, and that's when I really found B. I had to escape from my cage. I felt really caged growing up, you know? And how did this, did this affect your asthma in any way that first year? Yeah, I don't think I alone. even had an attack that year, huh. honestly. Because, yeah, I felt free. I felt, I was discovering so many things. I was here, I was in a, a different country all across, <laughs> you know, the, the world. And uh, independence, I think, that really helped. And the more, the more I, I understood who I was, who I was 
that gave me more space to become who I'm intended to be. Yeah. And then from LA, you went to Portland. Yeah. Little stunt over there. Yeah, little pit stop over there. Um, and then after I started teaching yoga uh, part-time, then I started to get more gigs. And then I had a time in my life where I really need to sort of reevaluate things. And then Portland became too small, <laughs> just like LA became too sunny for me. And I moved to New York City. And this was now almost five years ago. And I think this was around then that I first found you because I found you, I was really trying to remember, like, how did I first connect with B ever? Do you remember? I think it was on social media. Yes. And then I assisted you in Miami. Do you remember that? That was, I assisted your workshop. I'm just remembering it right now as you say it. How long ago was that? That oh was also God. years ago. Six years ago? Yeah, five, five ago? maybe five. Yeah. No, because I found you. Somehow through social media, I can't remember, but you had a blog back then. Yeah, I did. Yes. <laughs> and I was just blown away because you had this super cool website. It was all black. What? Yes, I remember oh this. God. I totally remember this. And it was all fashion and yoga. And yeah. I was just so blown away It was away called by... Yoga on the Edge. Yoga on the Edge. <laughs> oh my God. And it was on the edge. And you had all these photos of yourself, you know, doing yoga poses in these amazing designer kind of gowns yeah. and it was it was so I thought I thought I'm like oh my god like she's really edgy like this cool <laughs> yoga person you know I wanted to be this like you like this oh cool my yoga. god and wow. that was I think you were one of the first inspirations for me to start a blog because it didn't occur to me like wait like I can actually write about this and here's this That's girl incredible. doing fashion which is her thing and yoga like you can do whatever you want kind of doesn't have to be in the box of you know, yoga teacher has to be this way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that was wow, a long time ago. Oh my God, that's amazing. Ago. Yeah. Wow, so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy how time flies and we all kind of, you know, go through so many things. You know, that's thinking, yeah, back then. Now I think like, what was I thinking even doing that, you know? <laughs> and maybe a year from now, I'm going to look back and say, what was I thinking? What you was know? I thinking? Yeah. yeah. But we, you know, we do what we can with what we know. And then, you know, when we know right. more, we can always do more, so... It's, it's, yeah, it just, it gives, it gives us our, our element to our story and what we can share and our inspiration. And yeah. what, what, how does your, how do your parents feel about your, the life that you lead right now? Because it didn't turn into this degree of, you know, yeah. <laughs> they, whatever you were supposed to I don't know if doing. they understand what I do. Still. <laughs> Still. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because they're, they're always like, just don't injure yourself. You know, you're doing these crazy poses. Don't injure yourself, you know? Are you sure you don't want to get a real job? Like, mm, like well, this is my real job. This is a legitimate thing. Right? Yeah, but I think, you know, when they see the things that I post about and what I do, um, it helps them to kind of understand what it is that I do. Uh, and I think they're proud of me, you know, mm. um, especially seeing, you know, how I've transformed my life. Um, so I think it makes them happy. I did give my mom one yoga class, one private oh, yeah. class, yeah. But my dad is still very resistant. He's like, mm. I don't need yoga in my life. I'm good. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's a dad thing. My dad it's is the such same, a dad thing. Right? And I'm like, that's okay, dad. Why you does know? anything need to change? Like, everything's fine the way it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, he's like, I'm happy. I don't need anything. <laughs> no, it's so good. I had that experience with my... My dad has never taken a yoga class of mine ever in his entire life. And he also thought it was the stupidest thing. And I moved to Costa Rica on a whim and I didn't come back. Like similar to you, same age, same everything. 
And for the longest time, he's like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to get your life together? When are you going to come back to Sweden and like go to university and mm -hmm. do this, you know, life thing. And then slowly, I think kind of also as I, I guess, started supporting myself like well with the practice or with the, with my teaching through this field, um, he just stopped complaining about it, but he never, ever, ever said like, oh, like it seems like a good thing what you're doing, or actually it looks like it's working what you're doing, yeah. never, ever. And then one day I remember I met one of his friends, like somewhere, I can't remember where, I was like, oh my God, I hear you're doing so well. Your dad brags about you at the golf club and he's telling everybody at the golf club, they all have to do yoga now because yoga heals your body and yoga is good for your golf swing. And I was like, what? <laughs> never come to a class ever he's never but he's spoken proud of to you yeah. he is but he won't say it yeah. you know and it's really... raving about his girl and now even he's <laughs> practicing yoga in the town where he lives like he has a yoga teacher there and everything like it's yeah yeah middle age like oh okay how old is middle age we had this conversation the other day he's like know. 54 yeah i guess that's I'm middle age right that's middle age yeah but like middle yeah. age stereotypical white man you know who's now practicing is he loving yoga it? i don't know we don't really talk about it <laughs> and i don't think he's super into it but that he does a class here and there it just blows my mind like we can yeah. change that too like you never know what your dad does behind the scenes <laughs> yeah maybe he meditates without me knowing <laughs> i mean maybe he always has been maybe you know and maybe his meditation is a different sort of meditation maybe he's not actually sitting and meditating but s some other some other practice that he has that mm -hmm. keeps his faith or his, you know, his connection to something that is higher than him. Who knows? So and everybody has their way. Exactly. And that's what I, and that's great. You yes. know, just go with your way, whatever works for you. Don't put yourself into a box. Don't try to fit into this thing. You know, if it doesn't work for you this way, try a different way. What about for people, for anybody out there who's, who's really interested in this idea of meditation? Cause I feel like a lot of people are so drawn to it. Um, but somehow there's this, this thought that I have to sit and be enlightened now, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or if, if my mind interferes, like I'm failing at it, like I can't do it versus the idea of it's a practice. Exactly. You know, so how, how do you, I mean, in your teaching, inspire people to, to really try, you know, and to really stick with it when uh, it's hard? Yeah. I think for me, meditation is just, it's, it's watching the mind. I mean, yes, you want to still the mind, but first you have to really understand what sort of things are being presented to you because when you sit, when you're with yourself, you have this thought and that thought, and then this comes from the past. And then you're thinking about this in the future. So you have this, you know, monkey mind. So how can you become enlightened without facing those things first, right? Without, um, tr without understanding where they come from, because they're obviously deep down inside of you. Something is triggering. Something is, is coming up to the surface and it needs attention. So if we keep denying it or ignoring it or trying to become enlightened, but we haven't looked at our stuff and really healed it, it's just, it's not going to happen. And also we can become enlightened at any moment. I'm sure you became enlightened when you gave birth, hmm. you know, you become enlightened when you fall in love, you become enlightened when you feel so good about something so what is the definition of being enlightened hmm. i love this right? and it's something that's accessible exactly here and now so all you have to do is show up you just have to show up for yourself that is the hardest thing if it was easy everyone would do it hmm. <laughs> you know so just show up 
watch the thoughts, watch the chatter, watch the fluctuations, try to slowly being gentle and compassionate and patient with yourself, try to deal with them. And then you can slowly come to a state of more stillness, right? So that you can bring more, more softness instead of the hardness, the tension, the stress, which is, you know, what we're dealing with in our Western society. Our students come into class stressed out, anxious, most going through depression. Some are afraid to speak their truth. Some are A-types, you know. Some just don't even want to face themselves, but they want to work out. So here we are dealing with these students who come with so much baggage, so much stories, so much experience. So how, as a, as a facilitator, can we help them? Right? How can we provide the safe space, the sacred space, so that they can just let go of that baggage and get freer and get lighter? So as a teacher, I have to do the work in order for me to speak about the work. And I think that's what resonates with, you know, my tribe mm. <laughs> or my students or um, and this, you know, the student teacher thing is also another subject, but. But there's a vulnerability there, there is. that's needed. Mm -hmm. And if it's not there, it's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. And the paradox is we look for vulnerability, right? In other people to connect truly. But when it comes to us, we don't want to be vulnerable. You know, we want to put this front, this ego, I'm good. That's not affecting me. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm cool. Are you? Are Do you, you want to be cool? I don't. Hmm. I want to, I want to get deep into, into that thing, you know, whatever it is that's making me react or go crazy. You know, that's your opportunity to investigate yourself because yoga is an exploration. You know, it's supposed to be this way to rediscover yourself in each moment. And that's the thing about baggage, though, I find. So the more you carry with you, of course, the harder it is to, to sit with where you are, you know, because you have all, this, all these things you don't want to look at or all these things you're escaping. And, and yoga can be an escape too, right? I find mm -hmm. that also mm -hmm. specifically with that. We, we spoke about this earlier, but the, the super yogis with a super ego. <laughs> Sometimes the super yoga comes with a super ego attached. Like I am the greatest yogi of all time. Like, you know, people that practice really intensely. My yoga is better than your yoga. My yoga is better than your yoga. Right. And then usually I find there's, there's baggage there. Right. But if we don't invite the space of being vulnerable, allowing ourselves to feel it, which usually means crying, feeling, you know, going into the pain, it could be grief or sadness or frustration or anger whatever it is we don't want to look at, but finding that space to sit in silence, it's going to be so hard if we don't bring all of that up to the surface first. And if we're not vulnerable, we can't, you know, we, we keep, we stay shut down instead. Exactly. Yeah. And vulnerability is the essence of what connection is, right? Hmm. And yoga is to connect. It's, you know, to, to, to use, to join. So what are we joining? We're joining our small self, the ego with our higher self right? Our spirit, our soul, whatever you want to call it. So that's the joining. That's the union. Hmm. To dismantle the ego. We don't want to destroy it, right? We all need the ego a little bit, but we want to soften it. We want to dismantle it so that we're more in our heart space. And I find that looking at, 
at Lea Luna now at my, mm-hmm. my little baby girl, like she just is right. There's no, and it's so clear. I, I, I could write a book on, you know, the life lessons she's taught me and only these 12 weeks since she's been born, these, these three months that I've just flown by, but it's really so simple. Like when you're sad, cry. Yeah. <laughs> when you're frustrated, let it out. When you're happy, smile. <laughs> I just thought when of a hashtag tired, for sleep. you. Lessons yeah. from my moon child. Oh, lessons from my moon child. <laughs> I could cry right now. It's weird. She's in the other room, but I, I physically miss her. Yeah. No, but I mean, as, as kids, it's just so natural. Like whatever we feel, we let it out. If we're hungry, we need to eat. If we're tired, we sleep. If we're sad, we cry. Like it's, it's so easy. And then that's why in the next moment, she's back to happy. And in that happy moment, she's not going over and over all the stuff that happened five minutes ago when she was sad, right? Because it's yeah. out, it's gone. The moment has is, is, is left her. Yeah. And as adults, that's just, it's something I feel like we, we should really strive toward moving back to more and more. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. It's almost too easy to create excuses for not feeding your body nourishing foods. Maybe you don't know how to put ingredients together for a balanced meal. Maybe you don't know how to cook delicious meals. Maybe it's just too difficult to access fresh ingredients. Or sometimes, you know, we're just too busy. Well, your body doesn't understand excuses. That's why Sunbasket has gotten rid of them. Sunbasket makes it super quick and easy to cook delicious, seasonal, healthy meals right in your own kitchen. You receive organic, non-GMO ingredients from the best farms and fishermen delivered straight to your door. Do you have specific dietary needs? No problem. Sunbasket offers paleo, gluten-free, and vegetarian-friendly ingredients, plus specifics like breakfast or family-sized options. Each order is created by award-winning chefs and approved by nutritionists. With Father's Day approaching, now is the perfect time to gift your father figure in your life a new and fun culinary experience. So go to sunbasket.com slash yoga today and get your first three meals for free. That's sunbasket.com slash yoga to get three healthy, easy to prepare meals for free. Do it for dad. Sunbasket.com slash yoga. You said it in class yesterday. To not be childish, but to be childlike. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think we grow up with conditions. You know, we grow up with, um, you should be this way, or you should act this way, you know, from our parents, or from our culture, or from our society. So we're literally putting on these conditions and these layers. So to really understand yourself, look at your childhood. Because a lot of stuff is from your childhood the things that you have inherited. And then you get to make a choice. Well, do I want to stay the same? Or am I ready to really do the work? Right? The work is hard, we know. I see it all the time. The work is really hard. But it is so worth it. And it's so needed. Especially in this time right now, in this world right now. Meditation and yoga is such a, a tool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, a tool to use. Yeah, we were talking about like, you're not going to meditate your way out from anything, or you're not going to yoga your way out from anything. But these are tools, and they are very powerful tools. Mm-hmm. Especially in these these times, I feel like every time I every time I open my Facebook app, there's another terror attack somewhere in the world, or there's another something awful, absolutely awful that has happened, and. Whenever I, I don't know, it's really, it's really interesting because I, I get put in kind of a challenging situation with a platform as broad as, as, as the Instagram mm-hmm. platform that I have. 
Um, so whenever something bad like that happens in the world, if I don't immediately address it, like share a post about, okay, here, this happened, let's, you know, there's always a hashtag, pray for London, Manchester, like all these things that happened just now. And what happened recently is I chose not to do that because I don't want to sit with that pain. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I feel, in this moment in my life, I feel incapable of absorbing that pain. Like I, I just can't with the baby now. It's just, it's too far away from where I am. And then I get, I get emails and I get comments and people reaching out saying, why are you ignoring this? Why are you ignoring us? Why aren't you sharing about these atrocities that happen in the world? Like, why aren't you talking about it? You're just ignoring us. Like, why? And I find, or if I share something positive, like here is something good that happened in my day, people get really offended and say, how can you talk about this positive thing when this horrible thing happened in this part of the world? Like, why are you pretending like it's not existing? And I feel like that's such a... It's such a hard thing because you can't every single day say, okay, let's be positive, right? right. Let's do more yoga. Let's, let's put on a big brave smile and like, you know, remember that love wins. Like, fuck, is love winning today? Like, right as this happens, is love winning? If I don't feel it, right? If it's happening in my life and I don't feel like is love winning? How can I use? But also, are people loving enough? Mm -hmm. So... If we're not loving enough, how can it win? Right. And I, and I find instead of looking at, you know, yoga and meditation as this thing that's going to fix me, right? So, okay, if I'm sat, I'm going to go to my yoga mat. It needs to fix me somehow. More as tools that you can bring with you to, to support you as these ever-changing things come your way. So meaning if you're in this shitty, shitty place, like something awful just happened, how can I learn to stay in that? right? Without having to immediately go find an inspirational quote to post on Instagram about how everything's going to be just fine, you know, because right. I feel really, I don't know, I'm not feeling that anymore. I think, yeah, I think it's really important to stay with that resistance or to stay with that discomfort, right? Something is obviously being erupted in you and we're, we're very quick to block that. Oh, I feel really crappy. I need to do something to make me feel good. But what if you just sat with that a little longer? Or if you're not posting about, you know, pray for whatever, maybe you're actually praying, you know, and you're not posting about it. Maybe you're actually sitting and praying. You know, I also sometimes find that too. The need to, especially as, you know, public figures, it's like if you're not talking about what is happening, it's like you're trying to, maybe you're ignoring it right. or or it's just not important for you, how do you know? You know me from a screen. Hmm. You don't know my heart. Some, most of, you know, people who follow me, I've never really connected with them face to face, you know. So it's this judging. Why do we have to judge, you know? We're all trying to do the best that we possibly can, hmm. you know. And how do you feel about the, the balance between... So meditation, you know, sitting with yourself, looking mm -hmm. within, but at the same time using it as a means to form a community, which is reaching out, right? There's such a duality there, I find. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think right now, yeah, a lot of people are looking for that. You know, as you know, from my 108 classes, like my meditation classes are so, you know, it gets so many more hits than my other classes. They're the most popular. Yeah, yeah, by far. So people are looking for that. And I do, I do uh, meditation gatherings once a month in New York City. And those have been really amazing for people to have that community. And, you know, every month I see the same faces, 
you know, and, and that's really beautiful. And people, yeah, are looking for community because you also want to be able to, to share your experience, to talk about it. You know, you want people to empathize with you at the same time. Like I'm going through that. Oh yeah, me too. No way you so are. So you do sharings and those, they get to speak up? Um, not at the, it... mo mostly at the retreats and like you saw at the, at the workshops mm -hmm. that I do. Um, we have a lot of, you know, time for sharing um, because we have to. We have mm -hmm. to get it out. And we also have to hear that, oh, wow, someone is actually going through that too. You know, I'm not alone. We're not alone. We're human. We're all going through something. We're all fighting some sort of battle. You know, maybe some of us talk about it very openly. Maybe some of us are much more quiet about it. But it doesn't mean that we're not going through something. And it doesn't matter whether you're going through something really small or something really traumatic. You know, what defines pain? You know, my pain is better than your pain. Hmm. You know, like my yoga is better than your yoga or, you know, I'm more enlightened than you are. It's like this fight for I'm more evolved. I'm more conscious. Mm -hmm. Well, don't talk about it. You know, live it. Live it. Be Go the act. example. You know, let me see you in the example. <laughs> no, I mean, I love that. This is such important important questions to ask and to ask yourself, like, why am I in this practice? Or as a teacher, you know, why am I, am I living this practice? Am I practicing what I preached? Or am I just kind of, because uh... that's also something challenging I, I, I find. And I know you, you mentor new yoga teachers. I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a mentorship program that um, I work with uh, primarily yeah, new yoga teachers. And um, it's a mentorship where not only is it about yoga, but it's about, you know, being an entrepreneur, um, it's about really understanding, you know, why are you teaching, you know, really getting into the core of what it is that you're sharing, you're offering, um, because I had wished that I had some sort of mentor to really help me, you know, guide me through the process of teaching yoga. So, and I feel like I, I've, I've gained a lot of experience and I have a lot of people that ask me, like, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? And, and I thought, well, Why not create like this mentorship program? And that's so yeah. needed. I mean, specifically through the really big, I find the big, more corporate studios, they're just kind of bumping out these yoga teacher trainings because yeah. it's also, um, this is something that we're um, talking about at Island Yoga, the studio right now. Yeah. It's really hard to survive as a yoga studio anywhere around the world. I mean, really, and I say this as yoga girl, right? I have a solid yeah. <laughs> community that supports me in yeah. almost everything I do, which is amazing yeah. and, and totally rare in this, in this, in this field I find, but to survive as a yoga studio, a yoga business is super, super challenging. So for most studios, the only lucrative thing or the most lucrative thing is the teacher trainings. That's where the studios make money. So they're kind of pumping out these trainings with so many people going through 200 hour, 200 hour trainings and then mm. going out and now, okay, I'm equipped to teach yoga and without really having their footing in this depth of what the practice really means. I remember in, in my first 200 hour that I did, there was a, a girl there who had never taken a yoga class in her entire life. Like barely, like she was just not, yeah, she heard that, you know, yoga can change your life. And she's like, oh, I want to change my life. So mm. I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. this training. And then after that, she's equipped to go teach you know, but she could barely um, stand in her own practice, yeah. right? So the challenge I find is, is, is how can, yeah, how to guide these very, very we, new teachers. We continue to be the student. We keep learning as teachers, you know, to, to stay uh, with a, a student mentality. 
you know, for me, my 200 hour was just, you know, just a little taste. Right. Scratching at the surface. Yeah, exactly. What do you find is the biggest question though, that people ask when you, when you get these, um, in the mentorships, what's the biggest challenge that, that a new teacher sits with? How, how do I make this my full-time job? Hmm. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Supporting yourself. how, How do I support myself with teaching yoga? Um, as well as I think some teachers are also scared to speak their truth, you know, so it's, there's a lot of emphasis on alignment sequencing, which is of course, super important. You're dealing with people's bodies, right? You want to keep them safe, but what about the other stuff, right? How, how can you transform them with your words, you know, with your experiences, with mantra, with invocations, with intentions, with meditation, with, you know, the myths of the yoga, Mm -hmm. you know, the storytelling, the chanting, all of those things. And then you have the business side, which is a whole different side. So encompassing all of these things to be a really, really well-rounded, educated yoga teacher and education never finishes. It never ends. No, I think... If there's anybody listening right now, maybe who has just finished a 200-hour training and wondering how, how can I step into this this world of being a yoga teacher, um, I would say number one tip: stay a student, mm-hmm. right? Of course, don't yeah. come out of that training thinking that okay, now you're ready to rock for the rest of your life. You yeah. just stay a student. Stay a student. Keep learning. Read books. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> take trainings. You know, go to Bali. Take a training. <laughs> <laughs> Keep learning. Keep learning. And then you become your own teacher. And I know you recently did Vipassana. I did. Meditation. Yeah, I did. Um, that was the, <laughs> the For the people hardest. out there who don't know, what is Vipassana? Share with us. Vipassana is a type of meditation um, which was used by the Buddha to reach enlightenment. So Vipassana literally means to see things as it is. And traditionally, Vipassana is a 10-day meditation where you sit in silence for 10 days and you meditate for 10 hours a day. So you start every morning at 4.30 in the morning until 9 p.m. Hmm. Yeah. And you're literally sitting with yourself. And then you... It's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but also the most incredible thing that I've done in my practice not only for myself, but as a way to really step up my game as a meditation teacher. Did you see it as a challenge yeah. almost like? Yeah. And I did it with my partner. Hmm. It was his idea. That's so <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it and my mind. It, re- it, you know, it, not only did we experience it together, but it also connected us in a different, different level. But a lot of stuff came up for me. A lot of stuff that I've never even thought about a lot of stuff from childhood, a lot of stuff that I had kind of forgotten or kind of pushed really deep into my body. Oh, and we couldn't do yoga. We can't not, read. Okay. How is how write. is your body feeling? Pain. Yeah. How soon did the pain come? I mean, the first three days were the hardest. Uh-huh. The second day I was like, what the hell did I do? Why am I here? Can I leave? <laughs> I mean, it sounds mental. 10 it's hours insane. a day for it's 10 insane. days. Yeah. yeah. And then no speaking, right? In between, even in between, like. No speaking. Um, mm. Unless we had a question for our teacher, mm-hmm. we could um, kind of uh, book a slot per day, like five minutes a day, if we wanted to speak to our mentors, our teachers. 
Um, I probably spoke one time during the 10 days, which was three minutes. And well, to ask what, can I ask? Um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I asked my teacher, I was like, I'm feeling all these reactions. <laughs> all this stuff is coming out and they're not good stuff. What do I do? And she said, just keep sitting. Just keep sitting. <laughs> You're like, okay. like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I guess I'd do another 10 hours tomorrow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, just keep sitting. Just wow. keep watching, yeah. So that's what I did. Hmm. I just watched, I listened, I observed, and uh, I slept a lot. I um, ate really good food. I would watch, so um, men and women are separated. And I would look over towards the, the, the men's part, try to find Emre, my partner, that's his name. I'm trying to find Emre, where is he? And we're not supposed to have eye contact. I would get a glimpse of him and my heart would melt. Oh, mm. there he is. Mm. You know, it's like those old films where you have so much love and passion just by looking at each yeah. other, you know? So sometimes we would have eye contact just for a, a split second. And that would be like... Enough enough hmm. for the whole day the whole day for the whole 10 days it would be enough you know but it's so special how sometimes the interaction that we have in a regular day-to-day -day, like the little you know talking all day long interacting all day long but um it's filled with a lot of nothing also mm. you know the day-to-day -day. just that silence is so i do it in my retreats i kind of force my students to sit knee to knee like super super close and just gaze at each other for very brief moment of time like it feels for, yeah. feels like a long time but do you do the eye gazing yes yeah, yes and so it's powerful. such a challenge right and it's such a challenge and I think at the end of it you know after we do this for days every day for six days and at the end of it the realization is like that squirminess that oh my god it's so hard to just gaze at another person's eyes in this way I want to look away or I want to talk or I want to laugh or like make a funny face like anything mm -hmm. to escape this mm -hmm. moment But at the end of the day, you know, it's not about this other person. Like, I'm not trying to escape them. I'm escaping myself. Because what I see in their eyes is, is my own reflection. All the things I'm running from. All the things that yeah. make it challenging to sit in the here and now and just be silent with myself. Like, that's what I'm running from. And it's never about them, right? It's, mm. always, it's always about you. So, yeah, they are literally a mirror. Just like the yoga practice. It's, it's a mirror for you. And it... It, it can't lie. Meditation can't lie. You can't sit and just lie. To you. I mean, you can, but, mm. you know, things are going to come up and you're going to have to deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, they're going to keep coming up until you deal with it, you know. the It's the understanding of the contents of your psyche. And until you shift your psyche, it's not going to change. So these are, yeah, powerful tools to help us. But it's, yeah, never about the other person. And that vulnerability, you know, to look someone in the eye. Like, I see you, right? The eyes are the the windows to the, to the soul. I, I see you. I, I hear you. We're the same. And we're not alone. We're not alone, you know, and that's the thing. You don't have to do it alone. Hmm. You don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for mm. having me. So you can find B on 108.com. I highly recommend one of her meditations. So the beauty of the online side of all of this is you can take it with you anywhere you go. So if you're on the subway or on the bus or waiting in line at the grocery store or on a plane, um, just taking a moment 
whenever you need it to tune in. And a little bit of guidance goes a long way, I find. Um, you can also find B in New York City if you want to practice and meet her in person. If you do, give her a big hug from me. Or you can find more on bbosnack.com. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Rachel. A huge thanks to my guest, B Bosnack. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. And of course, a huge thank you to my sponsors, Parachute, Sunbasket, and ZipRecruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.